I'm Sarah Heiner, president of Bottomline Inc., the number one provider of expert-sourced, expert-vetted, expert advice that empowers your life. I'm thrilled to be talking today to Dr. Cynthia Green, who's one of America's foremost experts on brain health and is the founding director of the Memory Enhancement Program at Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York City. Her company, Total Brain Health, develops evidence-based brain wellness classes and programs used at many leading institutions. You can learn more about Dr. Green and her work at TotalBrainHealth.com. So welcome, Cynthia. It's always great to talk to you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you again. So, and our topic today, I have to laugh at ourselves because we want to talk today about how our brains and the aging brains need to adapt to the new workspace. And what did we just do but spend 10 minutes, 15 minutes trying to deal with technology with three what I'll call old brains, right? Our 50 plus brains who are trying to set up technology, get it going. And, you know, you and I had talked earlier that the brain needs to work differently in our land of digital and computers than in the old-fashioned analog world. Yes, although I think that we like to blame our brains when sometimes it's the technology. Well, no question. I'd all love to. I would say like the New York subway system, it's great when it works. Right. And, you know, I think that one of the things that happens as we grow older that can be impactful in the workplace is that we have more difficulty with certain intellectual skills, Um, those skills being things like sustaining or holding our attention, thinking quickly, thinking flexibly, all which support memory and executive reasoning. However, one of the promising um, bits of information to share is that research shows that when we work out those skills, we can better maintain them. Let's back up a little bit, okay? Because like at the core of work, like we've always had numbers and words at work, right? And even technology, like so I used to type on a typewriter, now I type on a computer. So what is it at the core of the skills that I need that have changed in the workplace? So I think that that's true. And I always joke to people, you know, we don't have to go and track and hunt and skin and cure our meat, right? We can just go to the grocery store. So you could say that all the time as technology moves forward and society advances, that we are able to move away from certain skills and knowledge to new ones. I think what is most challenging to the older brain currently is the rate and pace at which we are working. Um, that there is a lot of information that we juggle. So we have information not coming to us, if you will, on a straight line, but from multiple pathways. And that the pace of at which we get that information and have to process it is faster than in previous generations. And are young people better able to process it? Like, is it that our older brains just haven't worked at that pace and, you know, 19 inputs at the same time as the younger people have? So, Sarah, guess at what age, if you look at intellectual testing uh, across normative standards, guess at what age we start to see decline in processing speed? Uh, I don't know. Well, I'm thinking my teenagers actually sometimes moved a little bit slowly. So (laughs) I'm going to go, I'm going to guess 22. Actually, a little older than that, 25. But for most of us, when we look at people in their 20s who are just entering the workforce and we have our concerns about whether age is affecting our performance, we don't really think about the fact that processing speed may start to slow 
around our mid-20s. So it's not until we're older, um, probably in our 40s and 50s, that we start to be concerned about our processing speed. So it's, you know, it's really a matter of, from my perspective, challenging ourselves to maintain those skills. And without doubt, you know, we can keep our brains more plastic by challenging with things that keep us up to task, right? Um, and keep those skills worked out so that we can be as effective So as when you our, our early 20s. When you're talking processing speed, do you mean the rate that I can handle a single concept versus, again, this these multi-inputs at the same time? Or is it just all this, all of it is, is um, entering into the brain and it's all part of the stew of our aging, evolving brain? That's a great question and it's all of it. It's at the rate at which we can process all the sensory information that we receive. So what do I need to do? All right, so we've got, are there, are there things that I should be doing so starting when I'm 20s, are there things we need to, to structure the days differently for people to be able to be more effective, like take a break in between? There's only so much time you can sit on your computer and you have to take turns between, uh, you know, detail, analytical, highly concentrated things and then go to a meeting. So there's lots of things from that perspective. But for a tried and true kind of like down and dirty, if you do one thing tip, the best thing you can do is start to exercise your brain against the clock. And by that, I don't mean against a deadline if you have to write an article. I mean to play the kinds of games or work out your brain against a clock with exercises um, specifically designed to test your mind. So I think we talked once before about some of the games that are available through apps on our phone. And I don't mean the brain training software, although this is where those kinds of programs work very well. But even things like Boggle online or um, some kind of uh, jigsaw puzzle game or, you know, some of the uh, more kind of tracking games where you have to work against the clock online, those are great for your brain because they tackle all of those skills that are most challenged by growing older. They have force us to pay attention because we can't do well at them unless we're really focused. They force us to think fast because we're playing against the clock. And they force us to think flexibly because we have to juggle in most of these cases, say, you know, lining up three pieces of candy that are all pink, right? Or, you know, even going back to Pac-Man, which I still have to say is one of my favorites, you know, uh, paying attention to where everything is, thinking flexibly of how I'm going to escape the little ghosts or go to eat a cherry. So those are the kinds of things that are a great boost to the skills that are challenged by aging. And it's a kind of very simple thing just to add a couple of minutes a day of working against the clock in that way to our routine. So I have a silly question. The Because theoretically, let's go, okay, so I'm in work and I'm challenging my brain and I'm dealing with technology and I'm operating at all these paces. Isn't inherently in doing that exercising my brain or do I need these supplemental exercises? So... It's a great question, and yes, it is, but not all of us in those situations and not all of us in the workplace have something that's timed in that way. So let's, I'll use myself as an example. The things that I have to do against the clock primarily in the workplace are to meet a deadline, 
write for a an article. Um, when I'm giving a talk to make sure that I meet the time that I'm speaking in, uh, say it's like a 45 minute presentation. I'm not working out my attention, my uh, processing speed, and my flexibility um, in these short burst ways at work. And I don't think many of us do. Um, we do tasks also that while they might be against the clock, they're stressful, right? They have additional um, demands on cognition that they bring to the table. So they may not have that same benefit. Right. Okay. So I'm going to put it in physical exercise terms because the new, like the new exercise thing is high intensity interval training. Right. So these are like the, these brain exercises is like a high intensity intervals, which then helps my overall strength and endurance because you need your strength and endurance for the regular everyday tasks. Yeah. And then the inverse thing that's really great for tackling these age related changes is mindfulness because while mindfulness kind of in a way, it feels like the opposite of these timed challenges, right? These timed hit cognitive challenges. Mindfulness also helps us rebuild and retrain our brains for attention. So one of the things that is kind of the a stumbling block for many of us when it comes to memory is that we simply aren't paying attention. And it's not that we don't want to pay attention, but because the aging brain has a harder time sustaining attention. So we can retrain ourselves to hold attention for longer, giving us more opportunity to learn and retain something like a name or numbers or uh, other information in the workplace by practicing mindfulness. And by mindfulness, you mean the literally conscious slowdown of mindful eating, mindful walking, and just really focusing at a very careful level at the experience, the multi-tiered experience of something. Is yes, that and there's lots of simple ways we can be more mindful. So for some people who you know really don't like the idea of full-out meditation, right, and taking 10 to 20 minutes a day even to meditate, even being mindful to one aspect of sensory experience. So you, you kind of really hold your focus, say, on when you go out to get a cup of coffee on the experience of what you are seeing around you. So not being distracted by the chatter in your head about the project you left behind on your desk or the call that you're expecting to have with a client, but really focusing on your experience in that moment of the sights around you or the smells around you. So it's a, it's a kind of un, uniquely focused sensory experience. And is that allowing me to focus better? Is that allowing my, I'll call it my muscles to rest? I know when I meditate, it's allowing all the chatter, all the noise, all the inputs, all the freneticness of my day to pause. Right. And that's what it does because what it does is it forces you to focus on one thing. Another great tip that I heard recently, and I believe we might've talked about this in another podcast, but a meditation teacher was in class saying that you can wear a bracelet or some kind of like, I, I have a Fitbit and every time you see it or note it during the day, take that as a reminder to pause and take a few moments to just deep breathe and to follow and focus on your breath. I'm most interested in giving people an introduction to these kinds of 
opportunities. So it's not the same, no doubt, as if you were to commit to a meditation practice of 20 to 30 minutes a day, but it's still better than not having anything like that. And from a cognitive perspective, it's again practicing the art of focus by retraining your focus to be sustained on one thing. Yeah, totally, totally agree. And I think I try it every so often in between meetings or something to just take that moment of, of breath. I always, I always say rest is part of the music, right? Rest isn't a negative. That yeah. The music wouldn't be the same without those rests. And right. I think, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, so your concept of mindfulness and taking that, that break to be aware is an important balance. And we're talking about it from a cognitive perspective, but it's important from an emotional perspective too. And so it is that opportunity to reset um, as well in terms of our stress and anxiety, which also in the workplace can be very helpful to take that moment out to pause and to kind of reset yourself a little bit. Uh, it's good for your brain and it's good for your emotional well-being. I just have to say, I was just at my 35th college reunion at Smith College, and I had the um, opportunity, which was a huge gift, to speak to my class about these issues around memory and aging. And I started by having everyone pause and do a little bit of a breathing exercise. And it also completely shifted the mood in the entire room mm. um, from the freneticness of um, all the morning meetings and kind of being around campus to sitting together in an auditorium. And it was really palpable. So I think that sometimes we don't really think about the, the potential for what that pause can be. And I think it can be very helpful in the workplace, especially as we grow older, both from a cognitive perspective and also from just kind of a reset and refresh. Yeah, totally agree. All right. Speaking of that, we're going to take a little bit of break and then we're going to come back and talk about multitasking. And we're going to talk about well, how we might st structure our days a little bit in order to be able to manage the attention um, and the, the skills that they need in this high-tech world. We'll be right back. I'm talking to Dr. Cynthia Green, one of the foremost experts on brain health, about how our brains are changing in our fast-paced techno world. Our attention spans are shrinking, our memories are wavering, yet the demands on our brains are greater than ever. For many years, Cynthia has been providing Bottom Line's readers with tips to stay sharp and prevent memory loss. Her insights appear often in our flagship publication, Bottom Line Personal, and they're a key part of our latest best-selling book, Bottom Line's Super Brain Boosting Secrets, which is filled with hundreds of scientifically proven breakthroughs that can prevent Alzheimer's, reverse memory loss, and keep your mind sharp for life. Order your own copy of Super Brain Boosting Secrets today at bottomlinestore.com forward slash green. And you can get two great free books if you order today, Bottom Line's Best Ever Healing Secrets and The Book of Brain Games. That's bottomlinestore.com forward slash green, bottomlinestore.com forward slash green. Well, we're back with Dr. Cynthia Green, and we're talking about the skills that we need as we age in the workplace, because our brains actually begin to slow down in many ways. So what do we need to do? We're talking about the exercises that we could do to be able to maintain focus, which really, Cynthia, you said is really the most important thing, that we lose our attention as we're aging. And it's important to do those exercises to retain focus and abilities. So let me ask you this. Let's talk about multitasking. You know, women always say, oh yeah, I can multitask. And there are those that say, nobody can multitask. So can people multitask? 
absolutely, we multitask all the time, right? Um, but the question is what the cognitive load is when we multitask. And I think what's interesting is we were talking about the technology before, and this is one of the challenges with, with the technology, is that technology allows us to multitask to such a level that it can be cognitively overloading, right? So it's a matter of balance from my perspective in terms of understanding what we can tolerate from cognitive load, but still pay attention. Yeah, well, and I think, again, I've, as I've gotten older, I really do have a harder time with the constant pressure of all the inputs, and I need to actually take a break. So, in fact, should should I schedule my day? Do you, Is it good for people to do, like, the multitasking, high-intensity work, and then take a little break, take a five-minute walk, take a mindful moment? We were talking about mindfulness a bit ago to be able to reset the head? Well, first of all, I think taking little breaks during the day is good no matter what. And we hear that from so many perspectives. We hear that if you sit at your desk, right, that you should get up and move very frequently from that perspective in terms of the negative health effects of being sedentary and sitting at the desk. We hear it from a uh, emotional reset basis that we should schedule breaks during the day. We were talking before about loneliness in the workplace, right? And the increased sense of isolation people might have. So taking a break and going to the water cooler, you know, in a virtual sensor, going for a walk around is again, good from an emotional health perspective in terms of connectivity in the workplace. From a cognitive perspective, it is great to take that break. Um, and sometimes we can also help ourselves when we're trying to multitask to stay more focused by promising ourselves that break, right? So, okay, I'm going to not respond to emails. I'm going to not chat um, on, on text. I'm going to kind of just really focus on performing this task for the next hour. And then when I'm done, I will reward myself with the opportunity to uh, you know, check my social media so that there's a lot of ways to run that through. Um, one of the, there was an interesting piece I did with prevention magazine a couple of years ago where they, we looked at some studies in terms of how to prioritize tasks during the day. And while we all have individual differences and everyone has to kind of figure out what their own rhythm is, the evidence suggested that we are best at tasks that were very intellectually demanding uh, like writing or project development earlier in the day, and that afternoon was best set aside for collaborative thinking. So, for example, group meetings um, would be better in the afternoon. So that that's an, also an interesting finding to share. Yeah, I was actually going to talk to you about that. Like, um, I had read that there were studies about doing, I'll call it more analytical and detailed work in the morning, and then same thing, more creative or collaborative stuff in the afternoon actually find at night, I like at home at night, going back to some of that detailed stuff that my brain can handle the hard stuff later on in the, you know, in the quietness of my cave. Which might be because you don't have the distraction of, uh, of the office and all, you know, and being in an executive position where a lot of people are looking to you or you have a lot of meetings, a lot of decision making to, take care of during the day, you have that quiet time again in the evening. Exactly. Well, and also, so let's go back to a second, like the long concentrated projects. One thing that I found also that 
sometimes when I'm if I'm writing or I'm doing heavy editing, I need to take like I like the five minute projects in between because I'm working on a big long project, but can only concentrate for so long. And again, maybe that's because of my aging brain and my attention span. But if I take a break and do like a two minute, wrote a quick email to somebody that I have, you know, cause that came flying in my head, you know, the, all this stuff that you gotta do and take a break and do like a two minute thing on the side. And then I can come back and I come back a little refreshed with fresh eyes back to that project that I was doing. Is that another tactic? I mean, I think that that might be a tactic that works for you, but for someone right. else might be very distracting. So that would never work for me because I would every five minutes find something else that I have to do <laughs> right. and I'd never get the project done. And, you know, right. so I have to write, which is a lot of the time I kind of am the kind of person that needs to lock, be locked away. And I recently even joined a shared office space near my office solely because in that shared office space where it was relatively inexpensive to join, but you can't talk on the phone. So when I go there to write, which is what I use it for, I can't do that, right? I can't allow myself that interruption. So again, we're all different and we all can organize according to our what works for us. But what most people don't do is think through what works, right? So by the fact that we're having this conversation, I would hope it might prompt some people to think, well, when am I at my best? When do I find it easier to concentrate? Um, is it the morning? How can I set aside time so I'm not interrupted? Can I use checking my email or my Facebook as a reward for concentrating and then you know, maybe increase, kind of move myself into longer longer periods of time of not being interrupted? Can I change my day so that I have, you know, from 10 to 12 to be focused on projects where I really need to concentrate and shift meetings into the afternoon? Yeah, I think that that's a really important point besides, which is just that everybody's different and you have to do it for what works for you. Just like we always talk about dieting or exercise, what works for you so that what I need to be able to focus and then take breaks is going to be different than what other people use. And it's okay for people to experiment with different styles. Yes. Yeah. And the one thing is universal is that taking a break. And I think that's ageless, right? That has nothing to do with uh, whether you're older or younger. I think the opportunity to walk away, right, um, for a little bit whether you just take a walk around the block or you walk down to get a cup of herbal tea, right? Not just focusing on the coffee um, or to, you know, say hi to a colleague. Getting up and walking away a couple of times um, during the day is, is really good for your body. We know that. And probably also good for your brain. Right. All right. Dr. Cynthia Green, thank you so much. So in sum, we need to continue to do exercises for our brains, to, to um, exercises that are helping us focus, helping us maintain our attention, a lot of the games. Are there any games, play? you mentioned Boggle before, um, any other place, does TotalBrainHealth.com have games on it, or are there places that you recommend people to go? We don't, and this is, as I said, this is where the brain fitness software comes in. If you're the kind of person who loves to you know, keep your brain challenged online and would like the idea of almost like a personal coach where you get a level of challenge that is tailored to you and then gets harder as you get better, 
uh, those programs are great, but they're not necessary. And you can also find other kinds of apps and games. I personally really love some of the Zynga word games. Um, they have now Boggle with friends because not only can you play Boggle against the clock, which is a great word game, but you can play against other people in competitions. And it does get harder as you get better. Um, and so that's a great one. Some of the jigsaw puzzles online. There's a lot of great stuff out there. The main issue, of course, is to play against the, the clock. clock. Right. That's have the pressure of time. Right. So the- conversely, in terms of, sorry, in terms of the meditation or mindfulness, um, there's also some great apps such as Headspace that have become very, very popular for gaining experience and help with mindfulness. Perfect. All right. Dr. Cynthia Green, TotalBrainHealth.com. Thank you so very much. Thank you. It's always a pleasure.